Okay, so welcome everybody back to Once Upon a Slide, the podcast for presenters. In this episode, I'm introducing a fantastic lady called Stella Collins. And Stella is a learning psychologist and director of Stella Learning, who specializes in applying brain-friendly methods to improving communication and performance at work, including delivering Train the Trainer programs. She's also the author of Neuroscience for Learning and Development and a frequent speaker and panelist at key learning and development conferences. And it was actually a customer of ours who recently alerted me to Stella's presence when they sent through an article. They actually, I'm not sure if I've told you this yet, Stella, but uh, they actually text me uh, with a link to your article on a model that we're gonna talk about in this episode. So we'll get onto that in just a second. Um, But the reason Stella is on the show, and and this will become obvious um, as I give her a chance to speak in a minute, but I think there is a really, really close link between what learning and development professionals do, so training consultants and people like that, and what we all do as presenters. We're always trying to educate people with our presentations in some way. So there is a really close link there. Um, So Stella, did I miss anything out on that introduction? Is there anything you want to add? I think the only other thing that would be, uh, hello, hello Russell, I think the only <laughs> other thing I'd add um, is that uh, I run something called the Brain Friendly Learning Group, which is a really active um, network for learning professionals. Great. Is that is that a LinkedIn group that people can access? or? We have a LinkedIn group and we also have real face-to-face groups where people actually meet and really talk to each other. No way. Do people still do that these days? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I would encourage um, everyone who listens to this podcast, um, everyone in you know my network and our network here who is um, trying to up their game in terms of presenting to definitely go and uh, send Stella a, a LinkedIn connection request and just check out all of the articles and things that, um, that she does because it's definitely, as you'll hear in this episode over the next 30 minutes or so, it's definitely very, very interesting stuff and extremely useful for those of us who want our presentations to be a bit stickier and get remembered a lot more. So Stella, one of the things that we, um, that I wanted to um, bring you onto the show for was um, in fact, that article that um, one of my customers uh, alerted to me, uh, alerted me to a couple of weeks ago. And it was an article about a model that you have outlined, which you call learns. So could you just explain that model and, and, what it is and, and maybe how it can help presenters? Certainly. Yeah. So um, I think one of the, the things that you kind of alluded to a couple of minutes ago was this idea about training and presenting having lots and lots of commonality. And I think that's really important because what we're all trying to do is convey a message. Usually, well, certainly in training, but I think in presenting too, but you, you want people to actually take action and, and do something at the end of the whether it's a presentation or a training course, you know, you want them to, to feel that you've made a difference. And one of the things to make that happen is unless people remember what you told them, they can't do anything with it. So this learns model is, is part of a bigger model we have um, for designing and delivering really, really good training. And the learns model is, is part of it that we use as sort of um, a trigger really to help us remember, have we got sufficient in here to make what we do really sticky and memorable? Mm. 
Yeah. So do you want me to sort of go through the yeah, I think, yeah, I think what would be really useful, yeah, is to break it down and, and just go through it from start to finish. Because, um, again, I think as you explain it from a, a learning and development kind of point of view, I think there's a lot of areas that will resonate with people who are trying to be better presenters. So, I mean, the first part of the model, learns, um, is obviously L. So what does L stand for in, in the model? So L stands for links, and, and I, I will try and link to um, the things that, that I think are relevant to presenters as, as well as just Great. trainers. Yeah. Um, so when we're delivering some information, we need to link it to, to things that people already know about, because it's much easier to absorb information and to process it and to, to understand it if you've got something that it already connects to. Yeah. When it's something completely new, if we've never come across that thing before, it's actually really hard work for our brains to kind of start making new connections. And and so if you if you link it to something somebody already knows, it's it's like any kind of a pattern. They've got somewhere to put it. They know where to go and hang it. It's like having kind of coat hooks. They can they can hang it onto something they've already got, rather than have to think, oh my goodness, this new thing. Where am I going to put it in my brain? Mm. So that might be you link to, um, you know, something that's that's relevant to them already, or it could be you link to something that's outside of the experience of the, the presentation, but perhaps something people know from their home life or perhaps another part of their work life. Often sort of, the, you know, metaphors and things work quite well yeah. in terms of linking. And, and asking people questions about, you know, what do they already know about the topic? So you know, even in presentations, I think it's really important to engage your audience and get them, you know, giving you a little bit of feedback. So if you ask them a couple of questions right at the start, you know, what do you already know about this topic that I'm presenting to you? They've already warmed up those connections. So when mm. you start adding new information, they've got somewhere to put it. Yeah, that's great. I think, yeah, absolutely. I, I think one of the things that I, I really want to kind of highlight about how you describe that um, to people is that, you know, we are talking about neuroscience. You know, this isn't just kind of made up. This, this is real. Um, you know, this is what's going on in people's brains. And you're absolutely right that um, one of the things I encourage people to do at the start of presentations is, you know, whether you're using PowerPoint or Prezi, whatever it may be, always start your presentation by getting your audience involved from the very beginning. So there's a few ways of doing that. You can, like you said, ask them questions. And if you were doing that in PowerPoint, it's very, very easy these days to bring a poll plugin and drop that into your PowerPoint slide. And then people can get their mobile phones out. They can read the question on the screen. They can give you an answer. And like you just said, that is that is them kind of warming up. You know, they're flexing those muscles so that when you give them the real information, you know, there, there's a place to put it. I, I really like how you explain that. It's definitely a very, very obvious link there to, um, to presenting for sure. And, and I've got another way of doing polls. So, yes, you can do it, you know, electronically digitally but you can actually also do it with um like human human signals so one of the things i sometimes do at the start of a, a session of a presentation is is just to say to people okay so stand up if you think a sit down stand up if you think b sit down yeah. stand up if you think c sit down and actually people really engage with that and that also gets their bodies working as well as their brains and yeah. if your body is moving 
your brain's going to work better as well. So yeah, Absolutely. actually doing it kind of, well, you know, even hands yeah. up is better than nothing. Absolutely. I, th I should probably explain to you, Stella, that I am, a, I am an absolute technology nerd. So if I get the chance to use a poll in PowerPoint rather than getting people to stand up, I'll always go for that option every time. But yeah, you're you're right. If if we are short on time or if we don't even know how to use the polling inside PowerPoint, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Just you know, go back to what some people would call, oh yeah, that's a bit old school, getting people to raise their hands. But it does the same thing. It warms up those neural pathways in people's brains. Okay, fantastic. Well, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So what about the next part of the model, which is obviously E? So this is E for emotion. Um, emotion is so, so important if you're, whether you're presenting, whether you're telling a story, whether you're um, getting people to learn. The things that we remember are the things that we feel strongly about. Hmm. We, don't, we don't remember the stuff we don't feel strongly about, and that's because it keeps us it keeps us physically safe our, our brain is designed to make sure we're out of harm's way or to make sure we're doing the things we really like doing that are beneficial to us yeah usually um, yeah. so the things we don't like the things that make us feel frightened or um, jealous or angry or afraid or any of those things we try and avoid those the things that make us feel really good that make us feel happy that make us feel connected that make us feel um part of the, the social structure of the world those are things we want to do again and again yeah. and if we try and present information without any emotion in it it just doesn't stick because it's not important enough mm. so i worked for many years in in it and um without you know, mentioning any names at all you know it is traditionally not full of emotional content <laughs> or people <But> you can, <laughs> or people but you can make it so much better with, yeah. with you know stories um, and getting people to really feel what it might be like to be in the position of somebody within the story or somebody within the data yeah yeah that's that's really interesting i mean we we talk a, we talk a lot about the use of story um, here at the presenter and it's it's a massive massive part of um, all successful presentations but um, you don't have to go and create you know really elaborate stories without you know including emotion w would you say that you can include emotion um, I guess in a couple of ways you can focus on your the way you're actually presenting so would you say that's true you know if someone stands up and delivers a presentation a bit like a robot with zero emotion <laughs> then people are just not going to connect with that so you need to have emotion coming from yourself as the presenter Agreed. you know yeah, as, as you well as the content yeah 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 absolutely but i think much more importantly it's the audience who has to feel it so it's about connecting with their emotional um state and making them feel the emotion one of the mm. things with emotion is it helps us take action yeah so um for instance there's people who have damage to the emotional parts of their brains and whilst they remain cognitively able to you know look at information and sort of make sense of it they can't decide what to do with it they can't decide what action to take mm. and it's because it's the emotion that says okay i've got these two pieces of information here which one do i feel more strongly about and that one is the one that will grab your attention and make you take action so if right. your presentation is something you can do something about you need emotion 
Yeah, yeah. And and I guess as well, there is, um, a, there's a very close link between the very first part of this, which is linking, and the second part, which is emotions. Because if we go back to what we were saying a second ago about using polls and questions, I guess those questions that you ask could be kind of written in a way that tries to generate emotions in the audience as well. Definitely. Yeah, know, yeah, in, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Instead of just saying, which answer do you think is correct, A, boy, a B or C, your questions could be, how does this make you feel? Is it, you know, angry, disappointed or delighted? That kind of thing. Fantastic, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So that's that's the first two parts of this learns model, which is linking and emotions. And then that brings us on to A, which is... Anchors. Anchors. And that's, okay. and that's not shit anchors. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, it's a sort of technical term for the connection between one thing and another. So you know, all these things are kind of linked. They're all about linking things. Hmm. Um, so anchors is anything you use to anchor a person from one idea to another. So if I give you a, I've got a couple of really good for instances here. One is a, a program we run. And um, in this program, we teach people how their brain works when they're learning. But we kind of really strongly associate it and anchor it to chocolate. So we make sure that as we're going through this exercise, chocolate keeps coming up in a very relevant way. Mm. And then at the, you know, as we go through the rest of the day, we'll kind of mention a couple of times. So what does chocolate make you think of? And they'll go, oh, brains. And then, you know, three, four, five, six or seven, eight years later, we still get people coming back to us. And I say, oh, so chocolate, what does that make you think of? They go, the brain, the brain and learning. <laughs> so it's creating those very deliberate links between two things that may or may not have been connected before. Yeah. And I was at um, a presentation recently where somebody I thought did a really clever um, anchoring because it was a very interactive presentation. So there were times when people had to go off and, and do different things in groups. Um, and what he did was right at the start of the presentation, he got us, he sort of sang a couple of, of notes of a tune and then we kind of sang along with him. And then he sang a couple more and we sang along with him. And he probably did that three times. And then um, and I kind of wondered, I was curious as to why we were doing it, but yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> After the after we'd gone off into our groups to do stuff, he just sang that song again, and of course we were now anchored to that tune. And that anchor for us was, ah, oh, we have to join in that tune, which took us back, took the attention back to him. Ah, uh, nice. So That's a really nice touch. Yeah, it was very clever. Yeah, yeah. I th I I really love hearing stuff like that. You know, when when people they're not trying to be smart about the technology they're using or you know fancy animations on the screen. They're they're using sound. You know, um, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, that's really good. And, and and I guess for for all the presenters out there, you know, one of the um, key things, the key messages that we are always trying to get across to people is that you can't anchor messages with bullet points. No. <laughs> um, I always, always bring up bullet points in every episode of this podcast because I'm determined to get rid of them from the entire planet one day. Um, but, you know, it's very, very easy these days to be more visual. Even if you aren't a designer, you can use things like the noun project, um, bring icons onto the screen. 
And, and I would say visual anchors can be created very, very easily in any format that you use, whether it's Prezi or PowerPoint. Um, but I love the idea, and I really want to encourage people listening to this to think about what you just said there about, you know, what if we don't use a visual anchor, but maybe we use sound or chocolate or some kind of other device in the presentation to really anchor our messages. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that people could come up with there. And I totally agree with you about the idea of visual anchors because our visual cortex, the part of our brain that processes pictures, is actually the, the kind of, has the most processing power of any of our other senses. Mm, so we okay. definitely anchor really strongly to pictures. And the idea is that you, you create that thought in people's head or that you, know, you may actually create that image on the screen. Mm. And say, so, you know, next time you see that image, you know, maybe it's a particular type of car or you know something they're going to see regularly. Yeah. And link it back to your to your message. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about making something that somebody's going to see, you know, regularly every day, so that your message just keeps coming back to them. Yeah. Bouncing back to them. Yeah. I actually never knew that that the 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 visual cortex of the brain was the kind of the, had the biggest processing power from all the other different senses. That's really interesting. And that's why we that's why we like pictures so much. That's why pictures yeah. are so important. And why, you know, they're so much better than bullet points. Yes, absolutely. There you go. I've got new evidence. You heard it first on this podcast. <laughs> Fantastic. And and I guess anchoring as well. I don't I don't know if this is um, linked to that in some way, but it, it to me it feels a little bit like you know when you want to buy a new car and you've been looking at that new car for ages and ages, and then all of a sudden you see those new cars everywhere. I guess that's because you looking at that new car yourself has kind of created that neural network or that pathway, and then your brain can access it so much easier, and that's why they you see them everywhere all of a sudden. Is, is that the same sort of thing? It, it, it is. It's kind of drawing attention to something. Yeah. So, yes, in an anchor, you're trying to create create a tension, I suppose, between two different things. So when you pay attention to this, your mind is drawn to, to that. So yes, if you if you point it out to somebody that it or you do it to yourself, as you say, if you're looking for a new car, if you've kind of started paying attention to something, then that thing you will you will notice when that thing happens. Mm. So yes, it's, it's it's similar. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Okay. So Anchoring, obviously very, very important. Um, and that's kind of halfway now in, in the learns model. Um, so that brings us on to R. And that's R for repetition. Yeah. And I know um, in, in lots of kind of presentation skills programs and in presentation programs, you know, there's this, the rule of the threes in terms of your presentation. You know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them again, and then tell them what you told them. Yeah. Or, or you know, get them perhaps at the third time to actually do that repetition for themselves. Because if the audience is doing the repetition, that's actually a much stronger, um, much more sticky for them than if you do the repetition. So every time you can get your audience to do something, you're creating um, much more complex neural pathways in their brains than you are if, if you're just telling them. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the overarching theme here, isn't it, of, of all of these areas that we're talking about is getting the audience to create those pathways in their brain. I think 
far too many presenters out there, you know, they, they, they seem to think, you know, they'll come to us, for instance, because they want their presentation to look great, but they're still not giving any thought at all to the actual audience themselves. I mean, those are the people that need to engage with their message and remember the message. Um, so, yeah, I always try and encourage people actually to um, repeat things, like you said, that kind of three-step process as much as we can, um, and definitely always have uh, a summary at the end of every presentation. You know, maybe a slide that you come to at the end that shows everything you've gone through um, so that people can see it all there together, they can make the connections between it, and we can go and repeat some of the content if the audience wants to. So that's really, really but, again, but again, if you can get the audience to repeat it in some way, yeah, back for themselves, that's even even stronger. I mean, you know, we all know repetition works. Yeah, it's it's not seen as a sort of you know an exciting thing anymore because it's sort of seen oh it's just obvious, isn't it? Yeah, but absolutely. it's actually the probably one of the strongest ways of of our memories working. That's that's how our memories work by yeah building pathways which are very weak and, and um, flimsy at first mm. the more you go over them the more you repeat them yeah the pathways become stronger faster faster to access um and just easier to access so yeah. stickier definitely stickier yeah excellent it's interesting actually because i was having um a conversation about this with a customer of ours a few days ago um you know they've we, we've built a great looking presentation for them. We've gone to the rehearsals with them. They're presenting it in a great way. It looks fantastic, everything's spot on. But then I just kind of threw them a curveball and I said, when your audience sees this presentation, how are you gonna know if it's worked? How are you gonna be able to check that kind of return on investment for all of the work that we've put in for you to make this look great and all of the time and effort you've put into practicing it getting your story right so there's a few things that i would suggest here for presenters one again is maybe use something like a poll at the end of your presentation whether that's a physical poll like stella mentioned getting people to raise their hands or stand up or um you know something a bit more technical using um, a powerpoint plugin but i would definitely try and kind of check that knowledge at the end of the presentation and then i would go a step further and actually do something that's like a follow on maybe a week or two weeks later, just so that you can figure out who has actually remembered the message, you know, from the presentation. Are they doing what we want them to do? In other words, have we got return on investment in this particular presentation? I think it's so important and people just don't really, okay. yeah, they, I think it's because there's so much pressure to actually present and once it's over, people think, oh, thank God that's over. <laughs> you know? um, but, you know, you want to make sure you get your bang for your buck and that people are doing what you want them to do. So definitely think about those follow-ons and, and that repetition that people can do to prove that to you that it's worked. That's really, really important. And that's particularly important. I don't know if you're aware of this statistic, but um, it's probably one of the oldest uh, sort of psychology, reliable pieces of psychology research around. But if you don't do anything after presenting information to people, if you don't get them to do anything else, 24 hours later, they probably only remember about 20% of what you told them. Yeah. And you can't be sure which 20% they're going to remember. <laughs> um, so what we always do after training is we send something, uh, or we get ask people to do something 24 hours later. Mm -hmm. And if you get them to do something 24 hours later, the chances are they will retain 
significantly more and then we also send something a week a month and three months later just to keep them keep that to, to keep those networks warm yeah 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 to keep those muscles firing and absolutely um you know it's it's like if you train and train and train to run a half marathon and then you do the half marathon and then you don't run for six months you know you'll you'll put your running shoes on. yeah you won't be able to get a mile without being completely out of breath so yeah it's really really important um definitely people should be thinking about that a lot more it's one thing to make your presentations you know kind of next level uh in terms of how they look and how you present them but think about the next steps this is all about your audience really that's what all of presenting is about the audience members themselves yeah okay so that was repetition and then n what what does n stand for n stands for novelty our brains pay attention to stuff that is new possibly because it might want to eat us possibly because it might want to bite us uh, it might be something lovely that you might want to eat yourself and um, but anything that's new it's it's we pay attention because it's because it's, it's again it's what keeps us safe so if it's you know the same old type of presentation that you've seen a thousand times with lots of bullet points and you know people almost like the, the bullet point comes up and they just go i'm not frightened of those i've seen them before i'm just going to go to sleep because i've seen thousands of them before yeah so yeah. anything you can do that makes it you know a bit different mm. people are going to, to notice and you know sometimes that can feel marginally edgy but that marginally edge is actually really good for keeping people's attention for helping them to prevent the information afterwards um so yeah so novelty is is really good and i know prezi has some kind of additional tools in it doesn't it that can make it seem quite new and novel to people. Yeah, I must admit, I think um, the reason that a lot of people get in touch with us about Prezi training or Prezi design is because it still feels very novel. I mean, Prezi has, has been around for nearly 10 years now. In fact, it's just had its 10th birthday. Um, yeah, but um, I think even though there's like 100 million users of Prezi worldwide, there is still a lot of people out there that I come across, especially in the UK here, who will say, oh, no, I'm not really sure what Prezi is. I don't think I've ever seen one. So when they then see it, it yeah, it feels so novel to them that they kind of run away from PowerPoint and, you know, ask us to build something for them or train them how to use it. So, yeah, I think Prezi has got that on its on its side for sure. But, what I mean, one thing I would encourage people um, to think about here with, with novelty as part of this model is to make sure that whatever you use, you know, whether it's Prezi or whether it's just a different way of presenting your content that's a bit more interesting, try to make sure that it doesn't distract from your overall message yeah. too much. Um, and, and I think the reason I say that is because I've seen a lot of Prezi presentations out there um, that will zoom in and out and fly all over the place because people have got carried away with that novelty of you know a new presentation tool um so you do need to be a bit careful but i think it's a really important message you know um i saw a presentation a little while ago and and instead of um it was from a very senior person who you wouldn't think would be very creative at all um and they actually collected star wars figures like the classic star wars toys 
And, and on every so the man after my own heart because I'm a Star Wars nerd as well. But on on every single slide, they had actually just taken a photograph of a different character. And each of the characters linked to their message in some way. So they kind of themed it as like a Star Wars theme, but the character was there. And that was the only thing that was on the slide. And people were That's just, really good. yeah, people were just blown away by it. They were like, well, yeah. again, yeah, this is really novel. I've never seen anyone just show me toys <laughs> on, on their presentation <laughs> before. Um, but, you know, the, the message was good. Um, it, it, it was definitely delivered with a lot of um, emotion. And uh, I think that helped really anchor things for people yeah. as well. So it's definitely followed this model that you're talking about. Because it stands out as different. It's not yeah. the same as all the thousands of others you've, you've seen before. So if somebody's saying, yes, that was different. And they've got the point. And as you say, it hasn't kind of, I know something Prezi can make people feel queasy if there's too much sort of swooping in and out. Yeah. But that whole idea that it's, it's something that just, you know, it's just memorable. It, it yeah. stands out in absolutely I, I tell you what would be a really novel presentation, and I would love to try and do this myself soon, actually. Do you remember the really old kind of overhead projectors where, you, um, you know, school, school teachers would just write on the kind of laminate um, sheets? I think if someone presented with one of those again, that would probably get, be really novel. Yeah, it would get people's attention much more than a Prezi or a PowerPoint or anything else. <laughs> And I think one of the reasons for that is it's so immediate and human. It's yeah. it's not it's not digital. It's not kind of over nice. It's it's mm. almost like people creating um, you know little webinars or little videos rather on their phones. Yeah. It's kind of engaging because it's it's real and immediate. Yeah. So leave again, it, yeah, leave it with me. Novelty. I'm going to bring that back. I'm going to bring that back. <laughs> every every good thing always comes back around, doesn't it? So I'm going to be responsible for that one. <laughs> Okay, so that brings us towards the end of the learns model then. So S, what does S stand for? At the so end? S, you've already, you've already spotted S, Russell. Um, it stands for stories. Um, and um, I know you, you already use um, the idea of stories in presenting. Um, all good presenters tell a story. And it doesn't need to be, you know, a fairy story, a made-up story, or a really complex story. It's, you know, an anecdote of a story. But a story has um, a structure, so it's easy to follow. Uh, our brains are kind of wired to to deal with stories. When we when we hear a story as opposed to a piece of data, more of our brain is activated, more of our brain is engaged, more of our brain is involved in creating those those memorable links. So whether you tell a story that starts you know beginning to end and goes from one place to another, or you start with you know kind of an amazing mystery and then you unravel it, doesn't really matter. But stories really activate our brains, our attentions, and if you kind of think about the L, E, A, R, and N. Those are kind of all things that happen in stories anyway. We link to things we know, stories are emotional. There's usually a, a kind of an anchor of some sort. You tend to repeat stories either within the story that's repetition or you repeat the stories, you know, tell a story to somebody else and it's good enough. And, you know, there's always some novelty in the story. There's always something that can happen. Oh, that's slightly different to what I was expecting. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. I I love the fact that this model ends with story because, yeah, I, in, in my head, it's one of the most important things. I, I honestly couldn't imagine writing the content for a presentation and delivering a presentation without some kind of story plot um, sitting behind everything. So 
one of the things I would encourage everyone to do is if you if you want to find out more about stories, just quickly jump onto Google and type in the seven story plots um, because they're very, very simple. You'll recognize them in every single movie you've ever watched and every book you've ever read. And it doesn't matter how boring you think your content is, you can apply one of those story plots to it. And it will really lift your presentation way, way more than any fancy visuals or, or anything else will. So, yeah, it's really great to end with that, I think. There's another really nice um, online tool. And I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's, it's something like the Story Generator. So if okay. you're not confident about writing stories, you can kind of put your facts in and it kind of prompts you um, to kind of put your facts in. And then it kind of creates a story for you. So if you weren't confident, you could use that. You, you just use it as a sort of a, as a basis for the story. Okay, I've just written that down, so I'm going to go and check that out straight away. That sounds amazing. Good stuff. So the learns model, then, just to summarise and to anchor this for everyone listening, um, learns stands for linking, emotions, anchors, repetition novelty and story and like I said at the very start of this um, you know even though Stella specializes in kind of the learning and development field with with neuroscience this can absolutely be applied to presenting and if you disagree with me then please let me know because I've seen so many connections on that as, as we've gone through there today so thank you very much for going through with that um, with us, Stella. I really, really appreciate your time today. It's been great to speak to you. Um, I, I, I guess, really, I, I just to just to wrap things up, I want to ask, you know, how can people reach out to you? I, I told people to search for you on LinkedIn and stuff like that, and that's kind of very obvious. But is there any other way to see the the, the work that you're doing and to get involved with that somehow? Absolutely. So I'm also on Twitter. So I'm at Stella Collins on Twitter. Managed to get my own name, which was handy. <laughs> You're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we um, we run regular open programs. So we've got a, um, a three-day program, how to be a brain-friendly trainer um, in Bristol in December, uh, not in December, in October. Oh, great, in our and, hometown. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, we're actually running a masterclass after that uh, for people who are interested in sort of the neuroscience of learning and development. So it's kind of some extracts of the book made really practical, practical, practical implementation of the, the kind of the ideas from the book. And that's, um, that's called Neuroscience for Learning and Development. And that's also in October in Bristol again. Oh, fantastic. And if anybody wants, um, they can download the first chapter of my book on, on our website. Okay. For free. Okay, brilliant. What's the what's the website they need to go to? So it's www.stellarlearning with an r learning.co.uk. Fantastic. Well, or, make... drop, or drop me an email and I'll okay happily send it to them. Okay, brilliant. Well, I'll make sure that I put the link um, to that website and that download in the description of this podcast. So anyone listening to this, whether you're on iTunes or, or Google Play or whatever it may be. Um, you should be able to look in the description area and you'll see all of those links that Stella's just mentioned there. So I just want to thank you again. That's been super, super interesting to speak to you. So I'm definitely going to be 
getting all of my team to listen to this podcast and to kind of relay this information to all of our customers when we're talking to them about presentation design from now on. Is, is there anything else you want to add, Stella, before we wrap things up? I think just to say thank you very much, Russell, for you know, a really interesting conversation and, and kind of drawing those links between presentation and learning, because I think you know, they, are, they are so close. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I actually come from a learning background as well. So I used to be a training consultant. And, uh, you know, back in the day, there was only there was only ever PowerPoint and I was super focused on slides. But I quickly realized that if you step outside of slides and think about story and think about getting your audience involved a lot more, then you can make your presentations better, stickier you know, more engaging. So a lot of this re really resonates with me when I when I saw your article. So for me, yeah, it's, it's been... all about audience. It's all about yeah. what's happening for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that's the biggest takeaway here. I mean, it's been really, really useful and informational. But the biggest takeaway is just a reminder to everyone that when you're presenting, no matter how scared you are and ner nervous you are, it ain't about you. It's about the audience, that's for sure. <laughs> and if anybody wants any help with that, um, that's one of the courses we run is kind of, you know, overcome your fear of, of presenting. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'd definitely like to find out a little bit more about that because uh, there's definitely a few of our customers, I won't mention any names, uh, who could do with that course. So <laughs> if anyone thinks that would be interesting, let us know here at The Presenter and we will put you in touch with Stella uh, and the links will be in the description below, uh, below again. So Stella, thank you very much for your time and we'll wrap things up there. But I hope that we can get you back on the show maybe in a year's time or so to talk about any development in neuroscience that could help presenters uh, it'd be great to have you here again that would be lovely thank you very much good stuff my pleasure enjoy the rest of your day and take care bye